pressure, lofting one, end zone incomplete. Juju Smith-Schuster couldn't catch up. There's a flag at the 10. Hang on, there's a penalty. Fire to the pass, holding, number 24, defense. James Bradbury, they're going to say he grabs him. He's got his left hand on his back. I don't know. Mike, listen, I think on this stage, I, I think you let him play. I just think in this moment, oh, man, that is a game-altering penalty. The final call Sunday night from Super Bowl 57 as the 2023 NFL season comes to an end. And frankly, what may have been as frustrating as it was, the most fitting way for this season to end. It's Alex Barth and Matt Dolph here on the Sports Hub Patriots podcast. We're going to kind of do a, a three-part thing today. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. We are going to get into the Patriots offseason, sort of set the table. We'll do some free agency stuff, and then we'll get into my mock draft, which is now up on 98.5thesportshub.com. Dolph, happy offseason to you. Barth Vader, good to be talking to you again. Good to be doing the pod again. Uh, for you, like 2023 starts now. 2023 season starts today. So yes. like, yeah, you know, 2022 season might be over, but this is like Christmas morning to you, you know, putting that, out your first mock draft, getting into all the offseason stuff. Yes, the the annual post-Super Bowl mock draft. Yeah. I think this is the, I don't remember if I started it my first year here, which would have been 2020, or if I did it my last year at my old job. But I mean, it's been, it's been a thing now for a couple of years, but no, there is like a buffer because you do talk about the Super Bowl. We we do have to discuss the game that happened. And, yeah, I'll talk about it for like 20 minutes. I. We can start with the call, but my my bigger picture thing is, and I've done this rant on the show about the Patriots a ton, no football game's ever been decided on a single play, right? The two biggest moments in that game for me were the, well, so one is like two moments. The false start on the third one, and then the Jalen Hurts fumble on the next play was massive in the Kadarius Tony punt return. Those were the two plays that really decided the game. The penalty late. It's unfortunate that happened. It's not necessarily that it wasn't holding, but they were letting those kind of plays go throughout the game. And the biggest issue is the lack of consistency, despite Roger Goodell telling us on Wednesday that the officiating in the league has never been better. I think I I tweeted that out five times last night, but that's my feeling on the penalty. Unfortunate play. Ruined the flow of a great game from a fan perspective. But it's not the main reason the Eagles lost. No, I mean, that's it's just loser talk to blame the officials on anything. And like, yeah, anybody who watched the game knows he grabbed his jersey. Right. At the same time, to call that at that stage of the game when you hadn't called it all game was egregious. And I think the only way they should have even called that is if it actually affected Juju Smith-Schuster at all. And I don't think it affected him at all. And Mahomes was throwing that ball away. Yeah, and it was a basically a throwaway. Yeah, Mahomes was saying, I'm going to you know survive this play and we'll kick the field goal anyway. And so, like, yeah, I'm not sure that it actually like affected the outcome of the game or anything like that. I, right. thought, I figured the Chiefs were going to win as soon as they went up 28-27. So, I mean, but I, I, just, I was just so mad that the refs ruined the ending of the game. They robbed us of a great ending to what we were barreling toward, one of the great endings in Super Bowl history, the way that game was playing out and the big plays by – both quarterbacks right. like I mean we the way Jalen Hurts was playing to give him another drive yeah they, they yeah Eagles basically got robbed of a final drive right. which 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 I totally understand you know if the if the if the Chiefs kick that field goal without the penalty then the, the Eagles have a drive with less than two minutes to go so if you're an Eagles fan you're arguing that the refs cost you the game I get it but at the same time you know Jalen Hurts don't just drop the ball on that fumble and the false start you said as you said was bad yeah. like especially on a play like that just stay still you know what right. I mean? don't don't flinch. Don't do that. And didn't one thing lead it? Did the false start lead to the punt that led to the punt return? Was, no, the false the start sequence? led to the fumble. They, it was third and one. They false started. That's what I'm thinking It's third and five, third and six. They went with that QB, whatever it was, and, and Hurts fumbled the ball. So, yeah, I thought even if Hurts held on to the ball, I was like, what was that play call? What are you doing there? Yeah. I, yeah, was, like, why, why, I was like, why are they just doing a QB keeper or whatever the hell they that play was? They were RPOing the hell out of the Chiefs all game. I don't know why yeah. they didn't go back to that. But, yeah, I, I mean – if you don't get that false start, they just run the quarterback sneak, that play call, that fumble, all of it never happens. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I predict that uh, Felger and Maz will, will call out Patriots fans saying, oh, you're just mad that, that the Chiefs won. You didn't want the Chiefs to win. That's why you're criticizing the officiating. I don't care about that. I figure Patrick Mahomes was going to win another Super Bowl at some point in his career. He's right. a great player. He's the face of the league, best player in the league, and all that. That that doesn't bother me. He's, but He's still way far away from Brady. I'm not worried about that. 
whole thing. I'm just mad that they robbed us of an ending. They robbed us. It was yeah. an anticlimactic ending. It was a. It was. It would have been an all. I feel like they. It went from an all time classic Super Bowl to just a good defined game. by a bad call. Just a good game, and now everybody's talking about that call, and it's unfortunate because I thought I thought Carl Sheffers and the crew were called a, a good game up to that point. I thought both of those reviewed plays the 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 Dallas yeah. Goddard catch and was it Devontae Smith yes I thought they got both of those right to uphold the Goddard catch and then to overturn the Devontae Smith yeah catch. and I get it it's annoying that we have to sit through reviews like that but I thought they got those calls relatively right and they got and I think I think they got the second fumble right when they ruled that it was just incomplete I think that was yeah that was close it was close, it was was close cl- but he didn't quite really close he barely even like he never even like took a step after catching right. the ball so it's like you know I think they got. I think they got the calls right for the most part. But stay the hell out of the way at that point in the game. A little tug on the jersey, and it, and Juju Smith it felt like Juju didn't even feel it. So it's like, you know, stay, let them let the players decide the game at that point. And but at the same time, all they did was just rob us of of a fun ending. It would. I don't think it really affected the game. In some senses, the ending was helpful, at least to me personally, because. When I don't know how many times I've gone on my officials rant and people are like, oh, you're just mad the Patriots lost. Like I did it after the Raiders game. Oh, you're just mad the Patriots lost. No, like there's also something to be said for just as a fan of the sport, wanting to watch it uninterrupted by by poor officiating. And nobody can say I'm just mad the Patriots lost when I complain about the officiating in this game. Now, maybe it's that Felger and Maz thing. Oh, you just wanted, you know, you just wanted the Chiefs to lose. I didn't really care. Um, I wanted Jalen Hurts to win because I'm personally a big fan of his, like individually. Outside of that, I, my rooting interests were minimal. I was rooting for a good game, and I almost had it. <laughs> we had a good 58 minutes. Great 58 minutes. Excellent 58 yeah. minutes. Um, but yeah, now to get into the game itself. So a, a couple of things from the game itself. First off, I like to look at every Super Bowl, and I feel like, and maybe this is a little cheesy, but... I feel like in every Super Bowl, one way or the other, we learn one big picture football lesson. Like the Chiefs Bucks one was doesn't matter. Like you can have great weapons, and that's all well and good. If you really want to get there, you need to have an offensive line because Mahomes got the crap beat out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Rams uh, Bengals one was actually kind of similar. I think the offensive line thing, but also yep. you know you can scheme up a pat like you can have a very effective pass rush without blitzing if you do things correctly. What was the lesson from this game? What, you, what, what did you, you walk away with? You ha- you're just asking me, or are you going to have an answer for me? I have my answer, but I'm curious what you think. And I well, think it can be different for everybody. Like, what is, if you're going to define that game with, like, a big football point, like a big picture football point, not Patrick Mahomes is great, not Andy Reid is great, not the refs, just, like, can be applicable to, like, watching games in the future. Like, you'll call back to this game and say, well, remember this from Super Bowl 57? What's, like, your big picture football takeaway from this game? It might actually be the same one that you just said from the Chiefs and Bucks, and it's just the opposite for the Chiefs, which is they've corrected the wrongs of two years ago. They went out and signed Joe Tooney and a couple years ago. They, they signed uh, Orlando, or they franchised Orlando Brown, yeah. and it sounds like they're going to franchise him again. And so they recognize the need. It's like, yes, Patrick Mahomes is great, but he can't just do everything by himself while he's running for his life all night. And so I think they really corrected those wrongs. I thought that was that was the position group of the game, I thought. The Chiefs all-line going up against Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick. You barely even heard those guys' names called all night, especially in the second half. The Chiefs just took over that game because Patrick Mahomes said, basically free reign to do whatever he want, and then not to mention the busted coverages on those two touchdowns. Yeah. So, I mean, I thought that was really the story of the game is the way the Chiefs took over in the second half, and like it, it felt like Andy Reid had the Eagles' head spinning on, on defense with leaving those guys wide open for two, not one, but two touchdowns. Um, but, yeah, like I, I think it goes to show like you can have the great quarterback, but if, you got to give him time to throw. you got to protect him. you got to be able to block in the run game, and I think they blocked the edges really well. You know, Isaiah Pacheco ran really well when he, when he had the openings, and he had the openings. And so I think that that just goes to show, and I, I know the Bengals tried to yeah. upgrade their offensive line, but they still had the injuries. So, I mean, the Chiefs had had the benefit of good health on the offensive line too, but I think that just that just shows how un, un, underappreciated offensive linemen are. And, you know, good good on the Chiefs for, like, giving them their props and all that stuff. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes will have you in the AFC Championship every game, every year, if you're not winning Super Bowls without protection. And I think yeah. that's sort of – they sort of proved that in each of their last two Super Bowl appearances. And I think what was interesting, too, just to kind of add on to that, right, is 
everybody's talking about the offensive adjustments the Chiefs made in the second half, and they did, and it's not to take anything away. But to me, a major turning point in that game was the Chiefs' pass rush really started to get to Hurts in the second half, much more than they did in the first. And I think that changed things. Uh, My big takeaway, speed kills. Still a speed league. And having to watch that Chiefs offense with Kadarius Toney and Isaiah Pacheco and then Nick Bolton on defense, Dolph, these are guys I was obnoxious about in the draft the last couple of years. Really? Wanting to bring into New England, yeah. Um, Speed kills, man. And, And speed off the edge, too. Speed on defense. I get Patrick Mahomes through three touchdowns and he's the quarterback and all that. And that's well and good. And I'm not necessarily saying they got it wrong, but boy, did Nick Bolton have a case to be the MVP of that game. I mean, he was all over the field defensively. I felt like every third down tackle, he's making plays short of the sticks. Obviously he had the fumble recovery touchdown, nearly had another one on that bang, bang play right. that got overturned. Yeah. If he had two touchdowns, he would have had a very strong case. I think when people talk about, just apply it for to the Patriots here. When people talk about, oh, well, they need that like three down modern athletic linebacker. They think of a guy like Fred Werner, who's like 6'2", 220. Yeah, he's basically White. a safety, right? I think there is room for that tweener. That guy that's like 230, 235. He's a great athlete for his size. And like, maybe he's not quite as fast as that guy, but he's got the instincts to do it and all of that. Like, I, that guy in the Patriots defense would be huge. So I look at... What Nick Bolton did last night, I look at Kadarius Toney showing up, finally getting out of the Giants who just did not know how to use him, right, and being put in a position to succeed, and that he did. Isaiah Pacheco, it's still a speed league, man. And not mm. that's not to say the Eagles don't have speed, but what was the Chiefs' big adjustment? They were trying to throw the ball down the field in the first half. The Eagles took it away, so they said, fine, we're going to take it not take it out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, but I think what their their big adjustment was, was we're just going to throw underneath and run by you. We're going to make you step up and cover the short stuff. And they had guys like Tony and Pacheco who could create after the catch, allow them to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands quick and still come up with some bigger plays. Again, to project forward for the Patriots' offense, that's kind of probably the offense they should be building towards. Now, they're not going to have that deep element to cut back to like the Chiefs did not without doing something, you know, excessive, but there you can still win like that if you put the right players around the quarterback. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, well, in the Chiefs' case, they don't necessarily have to go all out for the, the weapons after Patrick no. Mahomes. Like, I, he can make it work with what he has, as he just showed. And maybe they have enough with, maybe if Sky Moore takes a step forward next year, like, yeah. maybe they have enough there. Uh, I'm just not sure the, that the Patriots have enough with, with Mac Jones, even if you get Mac Jones, uh, you know, a, a real offensive line and a real operation around him. I still feel like they might need that, you know, go to number one receiver. Hopefully Tyquan Thornton could turn right. into something like that, but they could still add on top of that as we talked about in the last podcast. But yeah, I think the, the to steer toward the Patriots, they've, they've sort of moved toward adding speed in the last three drafts, really like They're Kyle Duggar. There, yeah. Kyle Duggar and Josh Uche, two speed guys more on offense though. They need more on offense. They need more on offense. They started moving toward that on offense in just the last draft with Taekwon Thornton. And, uh, you know, they drafted Marcus Jones and even right. used him a little bit on offense. Ideally, he doesn't have to well, play too much offense. Pierre strong ran the fastest 40 of any running back. He just didn't play this year. Yeah. Pierre strong. Like even like in that, was it the Vikings game? Like Pierre strong showed, yeah. he showed a little bit of that burst late in the year. So they are starting to move toward that. On offense, they might have just been a, a, a little bit behind, uh, you know, in the wake of drafting Nikhil Harry. You know, if they, drafted, if they drafted Debo Samuel or A.J. Brown, it would be a completely different looking offense. Uh, and maybe uh, maybe the whole thing would have gone differently. Maybe Tom yeah. Brady would have stayed. All, but, you know, but that, that aside, like, yeah, the Patriots still need to add speed. And, like, I think it's it's almost like Bill's like, you know, he's such a defensive guy. They told Bill, we need speed. And he's like, all right. And he went, goes and adds it at safety and linebacker. It's right. Like, no, we're, we mean receivers you know but yeah. so it's like at least they finally started moving toward that with Tyquan Thorne but yeah this year draft if they draft a receiver please be a fast guy please fast guy we'll, we'll get to that in a bit backstagecountry.com your online home for all things country music 
Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Just to put a bow on the Super Bowl talk, you want to squash some narratives real quick? Just pour some water on some fires? Sure. All right. A lot of people saying Chiefs are a dynasty. No. We need a definition of dynasty. I think it's three. I think three it's three. But it's got to be in a certain amount of time. I think it's with the same. I, I, I think it's less about time and more about core. Right. Okay. So. Because like the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan won. Was it four or five in like a 20 year span? Yeah. Well, you can also have like the Patriots have one dynasty. That's really two dynasties. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because. They have a super dynasty. Super. Duper exactly. Dynasty. So even if it takes. So they have like the default is three and five. The Chiefs, if they win next year, would have that. But, like, even if they don't get it next year and then win the year after that, you get three and six. And as, if it's still with, like, Reed and Mahomes and Kelsey and Chris Jones, like, yeah, that's a dynasty. But I I think it's three. I really do. Because we don't call. You can't win. Two. You've got, you got to win more than two. We don't yeah. call the 90s Broncos a dynasty. We don't call, I think it's like the... Eli this, Manning Giants. Right. We don't call them a dynasty. The Steelers with Roethlisberger. The Steelers with Roethlisberger. There's, Not dynasties. There's a Raiders one. They they were a dynasty at one point, but they also won two others like separate, but they never got the third. So can the Chiefs... I'm not saying the Chiefs can't be. They yeah, can they're be. on track to be. I, I mean, it's. I think it's totally fair to say they'll win one of the next two Super Bowls. Which will give him yeah. three and six, he said. Like, so yeah, you give him that. Three and six. Same, same core in the sure. AFC Championship every year. Yes. Yes, it's a dynasty. I would, I would, give, them the, I would give them that. But Just not right now. Not yet. They if need they one more. they never win another Super Bowl somehow, not a dynasty. And a disappointment. And, a, and an underachievement, I yes. would say. A uh, couple other ones. Mahomes has not caught Brady. Not the GOAT. He is not close <laughs> to catching Brady. I... Has he? Can we start talking about him as top five all time? Yeah, yes. maybe. No, he's I think absolutely. That's fair. I think he's absolutely in that discussion. Because look, everybody has their own rankings. Yeah, I go Brady one, Montana two. Okay, and then I, I, I right now I have Peyton Manning three, yeah. and then John Elway four. That fifth spot, I'm not so sure who I even want to put there. So I might, I might actually want to put Patrick Mahomes okay. there. Because look, the fact that he's he's so gifted and so impressive athletically. And the fact that he's doing it on the biggest stages and he's making these plays in the biggest games on the biggest stages and he's coming back every single year. And I know I know people are ragging on him for the ankle, but playing like that on a high ankle sprain is impressive. I'm sorry it is. So that was another one real quick. I saw some people putting this narrative out there last night. Could you imagine if Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with an ankle sprain? He probably did it every time he won a Super Bowl. We know for sure he did it in 2001, six days after <laughs> spraining his ankle in yeah. the AFC Championship game. So settle down. on. You can't win a Brady argument by suggesting somebody else did something he didn't. The man played for 23 years. He did everything. If it's been done, he did it. There's nothing Brady didn't do. Exactly. Well, so, but you say that and people say, oh, you know, undefeated season. There's nothing somebody's done that Brady didn't. That's true. He did it all. It was 23 years. He had enough time to do it all. You can't win the argument like that. You just can't do it. Yeah, I, I, I was hoping Mahomes would have won people over with this with this ankle injury. The way he just, he never missed a game. He barely missed the, the Jaguars the, game. The problem is, like, you you want to root for him? And maybe maybe we're kind a of... Guy, dude, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. a guy like Mahomes could very easily be a guy who can't play through an injury like that, who dogs yeah. it, or who takes himself out. Like, we've seen talented guys tap out because they can't handle playing. The fact that he played through that injury and played well and won the Super Bowl MVP, three touchdowns, no turnovers, like, you have to give him credit for that. So this is what I hate when people come out and say, well, Mahomes is now the greatest of all time. No, he's not. And now we have to push back and say he's not. So it sounds like we're knocking him on a day he deserves to be celebrated. Just can we put him in fair light? Why does it have to be the extreme? Why does he have to be the greatest of all time today? Why can't he just, hey, he's put himself in that top five conversation. Why can't it just be that? Because when you say the Chiefs are new Patriots and Mahomes is a new Brady, you're doing a disservice to both sides. Yeah. And look, Brady has every major statistical record under the sun. He has seven Super Bowls. 
Mahomes is not only less than a third of the way to Brady. He's behind schedule. Right. And in a sport where durability is the rarest of rare, Tom Brady played at the top of his game for 20 years. So Mahomes is not close to Brady because it's been six years. If Mahomes is still doing this in the year 2040, <laughs> if he's winning Super Bowls and MVPs in the year 2040, we can talk about it. Until then, you you want to put him with Elway, you want to put him with Peyton, you want to put him with, you know, I've seen Aikman out there because that's the next guy for him to catch with three rings, right? I am totally fine putting him in that that class. Rodgers, like that group. I think he's past Rodgers. You think he's past Rodgers? So that's an interesting one to me. That's it because Rodgers sort of has that durability thing too. Yeah. But Rodgers choked a lot. Exactly. That's what I mean. So he should, he should have had more. He should have more than he one should have championship. More. So to me right now, Mahomes, have more than one Super Bowl appearance. Right. To me, Mahomes right now is Rodgers if he didn't always blow it in the playoffs. <laughs> right. That's what Mahomes is to me. Yeah, so he passed him. Yeah. And, and there's more. There, and there, that's not to say that's what he's always going to be. There's room to grow. And I think there's a world where he is solidly the second quarterback behind Brady. But again, in a league. Yeah, where, there's a chance for that. He's the LeBron to Brady's Jordan. In a league where durability is everything. 23 years. We're not about to crown a guy after six. We're just not. No. I'm not going to let it happen. Do not crown his ass. Crown his ass as a Super Bowl champion and MVP for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, I think he's 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 moved into that top five discussion where, like, yeah. where do you know, put him ahead of, do you put him ahead of Peyton Manning? Do you put him ahead of John Elway? Like, that's the discussion that he's in now. He gets to three Super Bowls. He might be, he might be number three. He might be my number three anyway. You I mean, know, I think at that tough. point he's clearly three, and there there will be people that put him ahead of Montana for sure. Yeah, and I think like yeah, we talked you talked about durability and stuff, but I think even like with diminished ability, I think his arm talent is such that he could still be right. really really good into his thirties when he's just a pocket guy and he can't run around like he used to. I mean, maybe this playing through this high ankle sprain might even set him back a little bit. In That's that thing you never department. know what's going to happen with injuries or anything. Like I just I hate it's not fair to him to project and all of a sudden be like, well, he's going to win seven. Well, yeah, that's but because but now I think he, people are saying right now might be in, like he could have his leg amputated today and people would say he's the greatest of all time. I think that's what people are saying. That's even worse. But like, I hate the projecting on him because it's it's not fair to him because if the expectations for him to win seven, which is such an absurd expectation, and then he doesn't, then one of the greatest careers of all time gets called a failure. So... It's it's one one more thing too about the narrative, and then we're gonna move on to the Patriots because it's just made me think of it. One more thing, and it's a really funny meme, and I love that it's a meme, and we can keep making jokes about it because the jokes are great. But for the people who are taking it seriously, can we freaking stop with the NFL is scripted crap? <laughs> like, I know that it looks bad, but I, I don't know why the people who like seriously believe that. And again, the memes are outstanding. When PFT tweeted that thing with Arian Foster and everybody was tweeting the reactions of all the great. different people from NFL history. That was, that was the, outstanding. The rare good Twitter moment. I have no problem with that. But when you say, oh, it was fixed, like the NFL designed it from the beginning for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. I don't think people realize what a slap in the face that is to the players. Yeah. They put in so much work to accomplish things and now you're saying that they're not actually accomplishing it it's being handed to them by a script i don't know it really rubs me the wrong way i hate that thing i like i i I, it just it bugs me and there's gonna be a ton of it after that game and i get why but like keep the memes up the memes are fine i saw a bunch of you know the philadelphia eagles reading the script for last night's game and carl sheffers reading the script and all the memes those are great but please don't take those seriously wasn't arian foster just joking like he wasn't no he was kidding that was the thing that's because like pft is that's that's their whole thing is to like present these dry takes as if they're serious but they're just so so absurd that it's actually funny arian foster was kidding because it was i forget what game it was after but it was after another game where the officiate and the officiating was brutal this season it's not to say it wasn't it's not to say the officiating doesn't impact games but it's just brutal on its own i don't think there's some bigger picture at play here Right, but I'm like, yeah, like I know so, it's not real right. what he's saying, but like maybe there was something where like he had an idea that it was rigged. In no, some no, no, no. They, they were, they and were, he just like turned it into this take about they, the script. They were kidding. So it was because the the script conspiracy people after whatever that game was made it a whole big thing. And PFT had Arian Foster on, and they joked about it. And then what happened was all these super dense people couldn't figure out it was a joke. 
Right. And so then it popped off, and everybody started making fun of them with all the memes. No, yeah. Arian Foster was kidding. Do you realize there's – I forget what it's called. I, I'll look it up. I, I'm actually meant to tweet this out later. Somebody actually once created a formula for how many people would need to be kept quiet for conspiracy based on how big the conspiracy theory would be. Right. And it's like it helps formulate how like likely a conspiracy theory is. Course, and like yeah. The moon landing I think is like a couple hundred thousand people would need to be bought in. And it's just like, so it's definitely, it can't be conspiracy for like that many people, not one person to talk. Yeah, and then the NFL. The number of people who would need to be kept quiet for the NFL being scripted to be a like thing is in the millions. It's yeah. astronomical. I love how we have these trust fund babies running teams. We got a boob for a commissioner. We got, you know, there's dumb players everywhere. There's dumb head coaches everywhere. Yet they're all smart and savvy enough to carry on this elaborate scripting scheme without giving anything away. I love I love that. That's what I love about the, the crazy conspiracy. And it's all all stuff. of these incredible catches and these incredible plays by the made by these incredible athletes. They're just counting on that to happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I found the thing here. It is the. Uh, the uh, Bart's, Bart's I, reading I can't here. Find the name. Just going to talk while Bart's uh, going through his phone. There's an equation with stuff. Adding with words. how many people would be involved. I. I I'll tweet it out. See, later. this is why we need a producer, Barth. We need someone to. to Somebody could have been looking. We need someone up. to look yeah. stuff up and throw stuff up on the screen. Did you find it yet? Uh, I, I can't find it. I want to get to the office. Yeah, it's not that. There important. is a very interesting thing. About, I think we've like, talked enough about theory. the Super Bowl. All right, yeah, as let's it move is. on. All right, backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Wondering who made our list of the top five all-time queens of country music? Did Carrie Underwood make the cut? Find out now when you text Queens to 45911 and scroll through the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text Queens to 45911 to see the talented artists who rounded out our top five list. Let's get into the offseason. I want to start with, and we're just going to kind of go surface level to start we'll do like a pre-free agency more in-depth podcast down the road here probably in like the next month or so i think free agency's in uh, i think in a month actually yeah it's in a month right? mid-march it's the week of march 13th 14th whatever that is yeah so it's about a month away so about a month away all right so so we'll dive deeper down we'll have another podcast between now and then but I know you wrote your big three, the three positions you think the Patriots should be the most focused on in free agency. You kind of started looking at some players. So we agree tackles number one. I think we did this, right? Now, there was some interesting news over the weekend that the Chiefs plan on franchise tagging Orlando Brown, their left tackle. So it's pretty much right tackle or bust in free agency at this point if they're going for an elite guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's all, yeah, the market is, it's a big market for right tackle. So that's, okay. yeah, you get your right tackle in free agency and maybe they get a left tackle in the draft, which I know we'll get to. But yeah, big market for right tackles. Um, you know, there's there's sort of like a big four okay. uh, this year where you got Mike McGlinchey. Yeah. You got Jawan Taylor. Yeah. Caleb McGarry. And then Kelvin Beecham, who was on the Cardinals. Yeah. You know, starting caliber right Kelvin tackles. Kelvin Beecham, who, by the way, was coached by Adrian Clem in college. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I didn't even know that. That's where why we have you. It was Beecham, right in that in that Reese post. Kelvin Beecham. I don't know. Yeah, he's, here getting, I go he's back on his phone, again. looking stuff up. All right, I'll talk. Uh, Jawan Taylor's my guy, Barth, and here's okay, why. Interesting. He's younger. He's a 25 years old. Love that. And everything I've read about him, he's mean. I need, I love. I like nasty. In my I know you do. Lineman. And that would be big a, and bruising, that right? Would be a, yeah, big bruising. By the mean, way, it was Beecham who was he was in Reese's piece talking about. Clemson. Okay, so maybe they maybe they look into Beecham with that connection. He's older though, right? He's like in his he's 30s. older. I think yeah. he's thirty or thirty one. But yeah, and so this is also part of like this is what I think the Patriots like to do if they yeah. want to sign you know a lucrative four year near the top of the market free agent. It's usually guys in their mid twenties, guys yeah. in their prime. That's what they saw a lot of that in that twenty twenty one spending spree. They sort of right. project out. That this guy's going to be a big time player. Guys for us. coming off their rookie contract. Yeah, they haven't necessarily like proven that like they're definitely worth this money. And so you might raise an eyebrow, but then they sort of prove themselves. So Stephon Gilmore is probably the best. That's another good example one, yeah. of that. So yeah, but yeah, right tackle. You know, I would love it if they signed any of those guys, but Jawan Taylor would be my pick. Um, the 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 Beecham thing is interesting there, but yeah, like the tackles the number one position and like the big three isn't necessarily like they have to make a big move at all three positions. Right, that's not realistic at all. But you know that's the, the the other two positions I had were defensive back, which I yep. know is a little it's a little ratty of me to put cornerback and safety together. 
but it's an interesting column. You can do what you want. It, yeah, exactly. It's an interesting free agent pool because there there's guys that they could get at either position. They could go in either direction. They could get if they wanted to make a big move, they could sign Jamel Dean and you know recreate the Gilmore signing, so to speak. Uh, you think Jamel the, Dean's on that? Could be that level player. I don't know if he could be a Gilmore type of guy. He's he's more like a playmaking ball hawk okay. type guy. But that's sort of my philosophy now. Is I think you just need playmakers. You yeah. know, you can barely touch the receiver. So get a guy who can make a, who can make a play on the ball. You, you know, you can't touch the player, but you can touch the ball. So okay. go get go get a playmaker. I would love it if they signed Jamel Dean. I'm not sure how realistic that is. And uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, James Bradbury, the the hero for the Chiefs, is I mean, going to be out there. He's he's a little older. I don't know if he might only get a one year deal, something like that, but. Or maybe a two or three year, you know. It wouldn't. I don't think he'd be too expensive. I'd like it if they brought him, and I'm just not sure how much of an upgrade he would be over what they have. And you know, I, I get the outside corner might be a little bit of a luxury, which is why, which we can get into that. Like if they drafted a corner high this year, maybe that would make more sense. Yeah. But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be throwing my throwing chairs if they came back with what they have right now. Uh, Jalen Mills and Jack Jones projected to start on the outside. Like that's that's not bad. But I would, uh, but I do think they could get you know another big press man. They need to add size specifically yeah, at the position. Size That's and strength. I don't know that they need to add like a number one corner, but a guy that when they face T Higgins, when they face Devontae Adams, they have a guy that can go out there and physically match up. Look, Marcus Jones, I thought played unbelievable against those two guys last year. Like was not expecting that, but at the end of the day, he's five eight, and they start throwing jump balls, and he can't yeah. teach height. So Bradbury's an interesting one to me because even if they do draft somebody, and I like this corner draft for the Patriots. I really do. It's a deep class. I think you're going to get guys that some years would be first round talents are going to be available, maybe even into the third round, just given the depth of the class. It's a lot of big corners, but man, that's a young group. That's going to be, even if you don't draft somebody, it's still a young group. Jalen Mills in the final year of his deal, bringing in a guy like Bradbury on a one year deal, regardless of what they do elsewhere at the position I'm actually a huge fan of that. I had that in my tenure, in my not tenure, in my ten point plan for the offseason was add a veteran corner, even if it's not a guy at the top of the depth chart, just to have that presence in that room. But better I than, think that would be very impressive. But better than Terrence Mitchell. Yeah, no, say. like a guy who's gonna play and contribute. I'm saying he could be the third, like the So Brad, Bradbury would be so Bradbury would be, that would guy. be a I think that's the exact name I gave was James Bradbury. Okay. Would be a per and because when the Patriots when they have their ideal setup. And I look at 2018 when they had, or 2019, when they had Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, and Jason McCourty. What they want to do is rotate those three. They want really three strong boundary corners so they can rotate and keep guys fresh. That's what Mm -hmm. they want to do. So even if it's that third guy in the rotation where you mentioned Jalen Mills and Jack Jones, even if it's the third guy in that rotation on the boundary, adding a veteran with size checks a couple boxes and I think helps those younger guys along too. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. And uh, But then if they don't get at the corner, if they don't make a big move for a corner, yeah. they're speaking of big three, there's three good safeties. They're going to be out there. Jesse Bates for Love the Bengals. Him. Don't know if the Bengals are going to be able to re-sign anybody when, when they have to save their money for Jamar right. Chase and, especially, and Joe Burrow. Especially if they're going to pay T. Higgins. Exactly. And yeah, and I guess there's there's talk that he, he wants to stay or they want to yeah. keep him there. So if they're going to re-sign T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, like that's going to take up so much of the budget. I don't I think that's going to make a guy like Jesse Bates expendable. So he's probably going to yeah. sign somewhere else. Jordan Poyer. That, that would be, be fun. fun. Be, that fun. Would be fun. Sign a bill away from the bills. Here are like, all are those... the bills going to be able to keep him. Like, I don't know. Like Josh Allen's uh, contract. Is that kicked in yet? His it, not only does that one kick in this year, Stefan Diggs extension kicks in this year. Is it, isn't it funny how like this was supposed to be the bills year and they just fizzled out. Sad. It's sad. 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 Oh, that's such a shame, Matt. It's a real shame. I'm not real smiling shame. at all right now <laughs> that their shame. window slammed shut. Yeah. So that would be cool if they got, if they got uh, Jordan Poyer. He's a good player. And Chauncey Gardner Johnson, another Eagle. He's going to be out there. Oh, so, um, he'd be because he's like a hybrid corner safety. Plays very physical. He'd be fun. Yeah, I, so I wouldn't be, hate that addition. So yeah, especially like if Devin McCourty retires. You know, are, are they just going to go into the season with with just uh, Adrian Phillips and and Kyle Duggar? No. You know, and they're not, I don't know if they want to put either of those guys well, in back. I guess yeah. Kyle Duggar could play deep safety, but he's so useful up front, yeah. down by the line, line of scrimmage in the box, and all that. I feel like you want to keep him there and find someone else to play deep safety, like Jonathan Jones, maybe. But that's again, like they have to re-sign Jonathan yeah. Jones, and you know they 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 want to. They probably don't want to play Jonathan Jones on the outside 
for another full season, like keep him there. I think they just sort of did that out of necessity. Yeah, but year. you're going to have to pay him like a boundary corner now. Yeah. And then to play him at safety, that's just. Right. If someone's if someone comes out and they're willing to give him like a $15 million, you know, whatever, to play outside corner. Right. I think that might happen. You can't compete with that. Oh, Kai had one name to your but safety he wants list? To, but he wants to stay, though. He so. does want to stay. Well, they all say they want to stay at the NFC. And I think he get, does. And then I, they get a contract put in front of I think of him, he's yeah. kind of genuine, but yeah, he's going to be priced out of their market. I'll have one more safety to your list. Vaughn Bell. Also yes, from the Bengals. Bengals. Yeah, yeah. That would be classic Patriots where everybody's looking at Jesse Bates. He's the number one safety in the class out of Cincinnati. No, we're going to go sign the guy that played next to him. Like, that would be classic them. So, it's it's not a bad year to need a safety. It's not a bad yeah, year yeah. to need a safety. So that's what's so crazy about this offseason is outside of boundary receiver. All of the Patriots' needs line up with all of the strengths of this offseason class in free agency and the draft. Which is why they're not going to get anybody. It would be so hard for they them just to make, not to. They just don't make moves. They don't even draft anybody. They're just like, yeah, we'll forfeit. It's this year. so many positions. Tackle, great year in both. Corner, big corner. A better year in the draft than free agency, but a solid year in, in both. Great year in the draft. Uh, safety, great year in both. Slot wide receiver, great year in the draft. Tight end, great in both. Like developmental tight end. Like it all outside of boundary receiver, it all lines up. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so uh, yeah, my third of the big three. I don't know if you agree or disagree. I think okay. a lot of fans might. I mean, they they may, where's the where's the receiver? You know, like I, sure. I don't know if they, I don't know if they're paying attention to that. There are but no it, free agent receivers. Like the guy, oh, just go sign a number one boundary ride receiver. You can't. He's not out there. Yeah, that's not Jacoby right. Myers is the the best free agent receivers. That's what all they need to know. about. I don't that. think it's close after him. Really, like yeah. this is not. Closest thing is like DJ Chark, you know, right? Like, who is probably like a he's fine, but he's a number three. I call guy. him a budget Kendrick Bourne. Maybe he's a <laughs> little better than Kendrick that. Bourne Maybe that's a little brand. bit, but yeah, it's they've added that guy over and over. That's anyway, the, the receiver you want isn't in free agency, just get over it. But right, so okay, so my third free agency position for them is defensive line. Okay. I've been harping on this for a couple years now, yeah. And like, look, they've built up a really good pass rush. It's mostly at outside linebacker. It's Matthew Judon, Josh Uche on either side of each other. And then you got Christian Barmore, who I thought was was good when he played this year, but he's drawing so much attention. He needs to sort of overcome that thing. And like hopefully he could take another step forward and become like a real force on the inside. I think he's he's sort of close to that now, but I think he draws so much from the opposing offense that he needs to sort of beat double teams. You know, right. he needs to he needs to sort of blow up the double and triple teams when when they come. But I think they could use another interior pass rusher to to put next to him, and I think they're set at they're set at, at at defensive tackle against the run. They still have Godshaw. They still have Lawrence Guy, who I know he's he sort of feels like he's declining now. Yeah, but I think they're they're relatively okay there. And I know they have young defensive linemen like Sam Roberts. They still have LeBron Ray, but you don't know what you really have there. You might not have much at all. So I wouldn't mind if they went and targeted someone in free agency. I think someone like. Javon Hargrave's probably going to be, he might be too expensive. Yeah, yeah. I would love, my guy is Deron Payne. If they were going to make a big move. Ooh. Where did Deron Payne play in college? Alabama. Alabama. Kid. Why'd I say it like right? that? <laughs> Rainbow, Alabama. No. Uh, yeah. Roll so, Tide. Alabama guy. He's developed into a, a I, I would call it a two way because I, you know, I play hockey. So yeah. Two way defensive tackle. He can, he can three rush down. the passer. Three, three down. down. Three yeah. down. That's what I should say. You know, he's good against the run. He he improved as a pass rusher this year. So he's going to – but he's probably going to get a big contract. It's another guy yeah. that's in his physical prime. So I'm not sure the Patriots have it in the budget to sign a guy like De'Ron Payne unless they really open up the wallets this year. That would be a dream sign, and that would really bring their, their defense to the next level. And I think they know that they still – especially to beat a guy like Joe Burrow. you got to yeah. get pressure up the middle. You know, I, yeah. I, I think the pressure on the edge is, is more easily escapable for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, I think they need that. They need to add one more impact guy on the defensive line. I think that, you know, the Barmore, really good player. I think he's going to take another step forward. But after him, you got, you know, Dietrich Wise. And then Carl Davis is a free agent. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Aquale is a free agent. He was yeah. he was fine when he stepped in. But that's another thing. Barmore goes down. You know, who's the next guy up? You got to have a next guy at that you position. Have you have a guy. Absolutely do. You got to have a next guy. In this defense. And mm-hmm. I know that the Bill could probably coach them up. And you could probably get a lot out of a, a cheaper free agent. We've seen it with a guy like Carl Davis. 
Uh, we've seen it in the past with um, Alan Branch. Was yeah. the guy was the, so, like, maybe they make a signing like that, but I do think they should target another defensive lineman of free agency, preferably an interior guy. that Or or five technique. You know, I'm big five on tech. the five techs. Yeah. So if they could target a guy like that, I, w- I would be happy. I uh, I wouldn't hate seeing them add another run stopper. And I'm not disagreeing with what you said, but Carl Davis played like a sneaky big role for them last year. And maybe it's as simple as bringing Carl Davis back, but could, they, they probably will. Lawrence guys kind of backtracked a little bit. I don't know mm-hmm. how much you're going to get out from him. Even godshaw has been inconsistent. I would not hate to, and they don't need to spend a ton of money on it, but just a traditional nose tackle to play next to, to Godshaw and run situations to spell him when he needs a break, basically slightly upgrade over Carl Davis. Okay. You don't need to spend a top 100 pick on this guy. Right. You don't need to go out and give him $10 million a year, but find some... Basically what they did with Carl Davis last time, but if they can get a little bit better, I think that would be huge. So that's that's mine. All right, before we move on to the draft, any like sneaky positional needs that you think aren't getting talked about enough that they need to add? Um, oh, you really put me on the spot there, Barth. Uh, I'm not sure how much longer... David Andrews is going to be around, so I don't know, maybe center or something okay. like that. But I know they have a bunch of guys in the system, you know, yeah. like Cody Russi. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe they replace that internally. But well, I guess they, that's more of a draft thing than a free agency thing. Right? They have no offensive line depth. And I don't mean that as in their offensive line depth players are bad. I mean, I think they have six offensive linemen under contract for yeah. next year. So, yeah. And you mentioned tight end, too, actually. So, I mean, you know, Hunter Henry's in the last year of his deal. That That's a guy that I would say is a candidate to stay around and get another contract here. But Johnny Smith, I mean, I know they're saying he's he's gonna be here because he makes so they'll save money against the cap by getting rid of him. Like cut your losses and move on from him. He's a guy I think could get cut in camp, something like that. Yeah. So a tight end, I know Dalton Schultz is a free agent, but I don't know if he seems like they're really their type of he's guy. He's really redundant with Hunter Henry. Yeah, it's he's like be another tough Hunter, to have them both on the it's field. It's like having two Hunter Henrys. Yeah, I get that. And maybe tight ends is more of a draft thing for them. But like, yeah, those are sneaky needs I think that are creeping up on him a little bit. Real quick on John, before we go to the draft, I had like a couple people ask me in the last week or two, should the Patriots trade John U. Smith in a fourth round pick for Lamar Jackson? For, no, for like <laughs> for like a sixth or seventh to get his money off the books. Absolutely not for all of the reasons. First off, that's not how the NFL works. Second of all, it's $4 million. You're going to give up a top 100 pick for $4 million and you can probably get a fourth-round pick for Jonu Smith or a third-round pick for Jonu Smith. I don't think you need to get... You do not need to give up a pick to get a team to take Jonu Smith's salary. You don't need to do it. And they have the third-most cap space in the league. Freeing up cap space, like, yeah, they're going to need to make some moves, but they're not so desperate where they have to give up a third-round pick to free up cap space. I just want to put that out there because, like... Do you think anyone would take that contract? That's my thing. Yeah. Yeah, Someone I think they would. take would. that? You're not going to get a lot back for him, but you don't need to give up a third-round pick to get somebody to take it. Also, you save the same amount of money if you release him versus if you trade him. Mm. So you could just release him. Pre-June 1st. Take right? them, I believe so. Take that's why the, I say cut in camp, because that's the most savings. Right. You, know? you save more, cut but like... after June 1st. You do not need to pay somebody to take his contract, is the moral of the story. That's, right. there's If they do that, what a mistake. I'd rather hold on to him at that point. All right, let's get into the draft. So I put my mock draft up on 98.5thesportsub.com. I am a little paranoid about it because normally at this point, I've got a bunch of DMs telling me I don't know what I'm doing and I'm an idiot and people are going to stop watching the team if that's the draft and blah, blah, blah. And three of the last four years, multiple guys I've taken in my first mock draft of the year have gone to the Patriots. Last year, it was just one. It was Marcus Jones. But... I don't know. Maybe my my golden rule with the mock draft is it's not what I would do because nobody cares what I would do. I'm not running the team. It doesn't matter what I would do. I am trying to emulate using what we know based off reporting on the current class and historical trends what they would do. So I, again, I normally that ticks people off. This year it didn't. So maybe, I was going to say, where's why are you why are you confused? What, you're getting no, a lot of positive messages. Normally I follow that trend and people are furious with the draft. People seem to like this one. so but I, I, Well, they've started to draft better the last couple of years. Yeah, so maybe I, that's becoming more palatable. I, there are some picks I made this year that I felt comfortable making that I don't know that I would have made the last few years under that framework, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that. That's probably part of it. I also, there's a, I get a bunch of good faith questions 
about the mock, and I love that because people want to know about the prospects and they want to be involved in the draft process, and that's awesome. Me too. Unfortunately, I can't get to all of them. Like, I try to. I really do. But this is cool because, like, you, you've been in on free agency. You haven't been in as much on the draft, so you kind of come in with – you're not as deep in this as I am, so you can Never, maybe see not the even things close. I've not missed. Even, not even a fraction. So you're going to be the voice of the people here. You've looked at my mock draft, and again, you can play along at home, 98.5thesportsub.com, but – what did you take away from my mock draft? Okay, I think you sort of answered this first question I had, but the trade down in the second round, you basically did that because you think the Patriots would do that. Yeah, right? I so But my question, sorry, but my question yeah. is like do you feel that there's no difference between pick 46 and pick 60? Like is there a, a big drop off in talent before that point where you think it makes sense to trade down for the positions they would realistically target at that spot? cornerback and I I took a tackle in the first round so tackle doesn't apply here now if they don't take a tackle in the first round I think you look at them trading up in the second round like they did with Christian Barmore a couple years ago but I took a tackle in the first round so that's off the board in this explanation the positions they'd realistically target there corner slot wide receiver edge rusher I don't think there's that kind of drop off right a guy so I took Julius Brents from Kansas State big fan of his 6-3-207 Physical corner, very good mover for his size, gets his hips around quickly. We'll see what he runs at the combine. Like, that's going to be a big factor. But, you know, there's another guy named Tyreek Stevenson from Miami who had a great senior bowl, 6-1, another one of these physical corners. Like, they're all over the draft, right? Give me the the 6-1 guy. I think that's the sweet spot. Over the 6-3 guy? 6 yeah, six one is, feels like a sweet spot. Gilmore, six one. Okay, so that's six fair. three. I start to get Joe Juan Williams vibes. But he's such a better and everybody's <laughs> gonna say that. Brent's, it's just a vibe. That's fair. I have no analysis here. Just vibes. Brent's appears to be, and we'll see what happens at the combine. Jawan ran a four six forty. We were it was Pure. like high four fives. Like Blech. his lack of athleticism was not a surprise. Brent's. I, I'm not saying he's going to run four two, but like he should run in the four fours. He should. If he comes out and runs four six, th- rip the mock out, throw it out. Like yeah, you can't take him there. But he's a much better athlete. Than Williams was, but a lot of people are going to make that comp. I don't think the gap between a guy like Stevenson and a guy like Brent is massive. I don't think it is, and I more importantly, I don't think they will think it is. Mm. So a move like that, yeah, if they're targeting the positions, I believe they will target in that range. It goes back to what I said before: this draft is so deep at the positions they need, they can afford to trade down in spots and still get impact players. So that 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 was my reasoning behind that. That's why they're going to draft a center and a guard and naturally, yeah. naturally, yeah. So like, yeah, I would like it if they if they got the big corner in the second round. Like, it, yeah. it, I'm not going to quibble with with a six three and or six one. I'll too say much. this too: Brents and Stevenson and a couple other guys last year, I think are first round picks. I think they would be first round picks in last year's class. That is how deep this class is. I took a guy 60th overall that in another year where the class isn't as stacked. I'm not saying like he'd be a lock first rounder, but you're talking about in that like 25 to 35, 25 to 40 range. I think he'd be in play most seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd like it if they got the big corner. I know like drafting a cornerback in the second round will sketch out Patriots. Scare the crap out of people. They'll get PTSD from from Joan Williams and Duke Dawson. But they've drafted like I think the they nailed it with Marcus Jones and Jack Jones last year. That should engender confidence that they can, you know, pull it off again. And they've done a better job. Since they've reworked their front office, however they did, I think Macro is yeah. doing a good job as the director of player personnel. So I'm not too worried about one, them drafting a big corner. I think that's what they need, and so I would like that. One thing I wanted to do in this draft because I can in my mock, and I can totally see them doing it, and I just couldn't make it work. But I'll put it in a future one. I can totally see them doubling up at corner too. And mm-hmm. again, it just didn't again? work. Yeah, again, it just didn't work the way I laid it out. And, and you can't check every box when you do this. Like that's just not how it works. But I could see it, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out something like that either. Okay, what else you got? All right, so uh, we go from one size to another size, Okay, which is uh, I don't like this, this slot receiver you picked in the third round. It's, I am not and surprised. I, I am a sizist, and <laughs> I just hate that he's five foot eight, 163. He is. I think it gets to a point you're too small, man. I don't, I don't see how you're going to be an impact receiver at 5'8", 160. So, I think that's just – I think that is too much. I would like them if they got a slot receiver. Get a slot receiver somewhere. This guy, J.J. Taylor vibes. Like, you know, like J.J. Taylor, he looks nice and explosive in the preseason and in camp and all that. 
You start putting him up against real uh, big, strong NFL players, he's not doing much. So first off, I think Tank Dell is much more explosive than J.J. Taylor. Tank Dell is one of the most explosive players in this draft. His ball-carrying style, and he's a Houston guy, is Marcus Jones. I watch him run with the football. I see Marcus Jones. Now, give me the size again, what I, what I have there. 5'8", 163. 5'8", 163. So, now, if it's 5'8", 180, you've well, got some bulk there. You know? So here's what I'd say. Marcus Jones came in last year at 5'8", 170. Yeah, but he's corner, corner and punt returner. Uh, he's a punt returner. He's a ball handler. A lot of these, especially when you come from a smaller program, like Tank Dell's going to put some weight on in the NFL. He's going to get in an NFL weight room and build up. Now, he's not going to be 200 pounds, but can he get to 5'8", 175? Yeah, I actually think he could. And with his... Passable. with Now, maybe not in his rookie year, and there might be some growing pains, but... I think he can put some weight on. He's just, I don't, did you, have you seen him at all? Like, I don't know, even the no, highlight tape? No, okay. I haven't watched a second of any of these prospects. He, yet. Not yet, I will. We talk about, like, the most explosive players in the draft, and, like, Zay Flowers comes up a ton there. Jordan Addison comes up a ton there. He's right there with those guys. Okay. I'm, and, say, I'm just saying, I'd rather have a big slot. I'd rather have an fair. oversized slot receiver than a 5'8", I, I want, in Bill O'Brien's offense, I want a guy who can create after the catch. Tank Dell absolutely can create after the catch. I don't think they're going to have a shot to draft Addison. I don't think they're going to have to have a shot to draft Zay Flowers unless they take him at 14, which they probably shouldn't. So to me, Tank Dell is the guy. Have him put on a little weight. Now, this is a guy, again, where the combine's going to tell us a lot. I think he's going to run in the four twos, if not like four three flat, four three one. If he comes out and runs four three eight, I'm out. Okay. But I he looks much faster than that. And so again, this is me saying what I project, but to stick to my rule where Nobody cares what I think. What do the Patriots think? They drafted Tyquan Thornton last year, like 100, like 6'2", what, 175, 178, something right, like that. Yeah. I don't, and, and they drafted Marcus Jones, who's undersized. Cole Strange, relatively undersized for his position. I, I, I mean, you, if you want to add speed, you sort of have to sacrifice a little size. I, like, I think they are in that mindset at this point where they will sacrifice size for speed. Tank Dell is a perfect example of that, and he's a guy that, in terms of his football talent, is a top 50 talent, but is a guy you can probably get a little later on because there are going to be teams that are going to be scared off by his size. Yeah, and I don't blame him. <laughs> All right, one <laughs> more. I got one more draft take for you, yep. Barth. I'm, you're not going to agree with this. All right. I want him to take a shot on a quarterback. Second, third, fourth ah, round. Ah, you didn't read my UDFA you, section. I did not read the UDFA section, but I'm talking about second, third, fourth round pick. Okay. This is, you can, you've proven Jalen Hurts. Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, you can find these guys, and I think the Patriots can afford to take a shot. They have two solid quarterbacks right now, I think, Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Say what you want about those guys, but, you know, they are solid guys who I think with the right team around them can make good decisions and, you know, run the offense well enough. They they should take a, a shot on a toolsy, athletic type of guy. Now, maybe you mentioned that in the UDFAs. I don't know how you specifically feel about the quarterback prospects, but Tell me there's a guy that at least has a chance to be someone, you know, he's athletic, but if you take him in the second, third, or fourth round, you can maybe develop him and he could turn into something. Do you, do you, does that just not exist this year? Because does I feel like this not is even going to take a shot. Not even close. I So the consensus board that I use is generally pretty accurate. It's more accurate than PFF. And by accurate, I mean oh, compared to what actually happens. Hey, don't brag now, Barth. The PFF board's not great. <laughs> They suck and blow. So if I look at the quarterback board, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, both top five picks, right? Will Levis, they have him as a top 10 pick. I don't believe in him like that much, really, but all right, he's going to be gone. Anthony Richardson, they have at 16. He's going to be a first-round pick because people are going to think he's a Josh Allen clone. He is maybe the highest floor and the lowest ceiling of any quarterback I remember evaluating. Like, he's such a roller coaster. And I kind of, like, I hope he goes to the right team because he'd be a ton of fun to watch. I think the Giants make so much sense for him because you have Brian Dayball who worked with Josh Allen. He kind of mm. imagine like an, Josh Allen's already an extreme where he's a borderline MVP candidate, even though he leads the league in turnovers. Yeah, he's like a cartoon. Imagine an extreme version of Josh Allen. God, that's that Anthony be, Richardson. Be a little too much. So you're saying like those guys aren't going to be available. So those They're guys be won't picked. be available. Those guys won't be available. So they'd have to take him with the 14th. All pick, of these, they would have to take any of those guys with the 14th pick. God. So that the but cons- there's, you don't think there's a chance that they would fall like the guy you were just talking about? No, Richardson's tools are too good. He's going to kill the combine. He's got the big arm. It, I it's hate not going to happen. Why do we do this every year? Why does so, the league do this every year? 
Richardson, tools Richardson is 16 on the big board. The next quarterback is at 73, and that's Tanner McKee from Stanford. And he plays exactly like you'd imagine a guy named Tanner McKee from Stanford plays. Boring. Davis Mills, <laughs> Bailey Zappi. Yeah, they don't need that. They don't right. need that. We keep going. 92 on the big board is Hendon Hooker. Now, he's going to end up going much higher than this. He's probably going to be a day two pick. So he tore he tore his ACL late in the season. The expectation was going to be that he would be out as a rookie. Now it sounds like he might be ready for camp. If he's ready for camp, I think he becomes a late first round pick. The other knock here is he's going to be a 26-year-old rookie. 27-year-old rookie if he can't play his rookie year because of the ACL. Yeah, don't so, know on him. He's toolsy. I want a guy you can develop. Right, he's toolsy, can move, he's got the big arm, but I don't know how much of a ceiling there is. Brandon Whedon. So, Hendon Hooker's 92. Now we're down to 111. That's Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall's a carbon copy of Zach Wilson, but he just has better mental makeup. All right, give me that guy then. That's my guy. All right. Any time before the fifth round's too high. He's super raw. He I don't is care. Super Take a raw. shot. All right. And then after him. If he becomes a guy, does it matter whether you took him fourth or fifth and, round? And, and I say no. That's all the guys in the top 200. Good Lord. That's it. All right. And then well, you're into okay. well, Malik skip- Cunningham and Jake Hayner and Max Duggan. All right. Well, cool. look, if they skip this year, I'm not going to, you know, throw a fit because I think they're going to put better players around Mac Jones and they'll, Mac Jones will play yeah. a lot better. And so we will be less worried about the quarterback. Position. Right. I just think. I could. I think they can afford to take a shot so, on a guy. What I would say is with Jaron Hall, he played a weak schedule. He played in a really quarterback-friendly system. He's a, a wild projection. I do think there's upside there. I do. He's a massive projection. I don't think you can take him until day three. I really don't. And if they want to take him in the fifth... Take him day three. If they want to take him in the fifth round, fine. But, like, he, Jalen Hurts was much further along. Like mm. Russell Wilson was much further along. So that group you mentioned, Dak Prescott. Not that kind of class. Those are two SEC guys and a guy who played in the ACC when playing in the ACC meant something. Okay. Like, well, let's, let's just, that, let, that guy does not, that, that like day two, day three, hey, it's a deep quarterback class. He's like a fringe first round pick, but not a lot of teams need quarterbacks this year. That's the guy you're looking for. That guy does not exist in well, this class. Not close. Yeah, but you know, well, you know how these things can change. Like, I, I think we should re. I'm not saying like we shouldn't talk about it now. Obviously, right. we're talking about it right now. But we'll we're gonna do more of these pods in the off season. Yeah. Let's revisit this after and, the, the board combine. Can change the closest. The closer we get to the draft, let's let's revisit it and see how it changes. See if you change your opinion. See if guys, some guys rose, other guys fell. I just think they should take a chance. And I'm not saying like. They're definitely going to land their next franchise quarterback with this pick. I just think we've seen enough success around the league with picks of that nature. You know, late day two, early day three. Like, I just want to see how the board shakes out, and I want to take a closer look at all the prospects myself. I think think this guy, what's his name? The last guy we were just talking about? Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall. That's my guy for now. I I think the best chance of that happening is Richards falling. Like, if they want that guy, the best chance of that happening is Richards falling, but the only way Richards is going to fall is if he blows his interviews, and if he blows his interviews, they're not going to take him. That's not a good sign so, anyway. So, because yeah. he's too physically gifted. I, it goes I back do to, want, yeah, I would like to get, like, a team right. captain. You know, I don't want, I don't want, you, you said met better mental makeup on this Jaron Hall. Yeah, but that's. You know, like, don't give me a guy that wasn't a team captain, I, and then you get Zach Wilson. I, I don't know if Jaron Hall was a team captain or not. I just say better mental makeup because Zach Wilson's mental makeup is terrible. It's hard, yeah, it's hard I, not I, to have better I mental makeup. I don't know that much about Jaron Hall as a person. I imagine he's a better locker room guy and a better leader than Zach Wilson, only because how could he not be? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know that he's like this great locker room leader. Like, I, I just know that he's not a disaster. Um, I. It goes back to my wide receiver take. It's really easy to say, hey, they have the 14th pick. There's a bunch of really good wide receivers who've gone at 14th in the draft. Justin Jefferson went at 22. Hey, you know, Jalen Hurts went in the second round. They should take a second-round quarterback. Not every class is the same. The guy, just because guys went in that round in the past doesn't mean that. That they're there every right. year. Right. So to, to for the flip side of it, so people think I'm people know I'm not just being a downer, the whole thing I just said with the cornerbacks, in two or three years, we're going to have people sitting here saying, well, Tyreek Stevenson went in the second round. Julius Brents went in the third round. Those guys are great. Well, yeah, what happened in that class? There were so many good corners that those guys got pushed down the board. So when you start playing that game of just, and I don't mean this as like an attack on you. I think this is just like a point a, that a lot of I people don't attacked. understand. I feel attacked, Alex. 
a bunch of good, like, I'm going to pick four quarterbacks that are good that went in the second round in four very different years. That's not an argument of saying, well, if you take a quarterback in the second round, you're in good shape. Every draft is different. That's There's a big difference when we when draft people say he's a projected first-round pick versus he's a projected first-round talent. There are projected first-round picks that are not first-round talents, and there are projected first-round talents that are not first-round picks. And just at, at the quarterback position this year, there are going to be first-round picks that are not first-round talents. Will so, Levis is not a first-round talent. Anthony Richardson, I guess, is a first-round talent, but he's not a top 15 talent, and he's probably going to go up there. Yeah, my official prediction is none of these guys are going to be any are going to be anything special. Um, That's my prediction. I mean— Maybe they'll be good. Young and Stroud, you're saying besides Young and Stroud. Maybe like besides, a bright—no, maybe even those guys. You don't, you're not even big on those guys? No, I mean, I All don't right. know. What, I say this not really knowing anything about him. I just think the position is such well, a crapshoot, and it's so rare. Bryce Young's really small, so you naturally are going to hate him. Oh, yeah. No, I hate him then. I like. I think Young and Stroud have a chance to be good, like, you know, serviceable NFL quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, where— yeah, I don't think they're ever going to be like multi super. Okay, but, well, but. My, I guess my prediction is really that like they're most of them, most if not all of them, are going to be overdrafted. Yes, every quarterback in this draft I think will end up being overdrafted. See, like this is so. Are you saying the Patriots are screwed then? Like if they say say that Mac Jones isn't their guy for the long term, and they need to keep looking for that franchise quarterback, they're screwed unless no. they pick in the top ten. No, then. they're in great shape. No, they're in great shape because they don't. Teams are go. There are teams that need a quarterback right now. Teams are going to push and get desperate to take players ahead of where they should go. That is going to put be- push better prospects down the board. But I'm talking about quarterback, though. Right? No, but listen, it's a, it's a long term thing, right? They are the reason they realistically have a shot at Project Jones this year is part of the reason is because the quarterback class is set up the way it is, mm-hmm. right? So you are going to build out the rest of your roster without quarterbacks being a distraction. And that one of two things is going to happen once you do that. Either the better roster and better coaching, Mac Jones gets gets fixed and you're in good shape. Or turns out Mac Jones isn't the guy next year and what's going to be what projects to be a really good quarterback class where you're going to be able to get guys who might go in the top, would probably go in the top five this year down in like that 15-20 range. And that guy's going to be stepping into a situation where the rest of the roster is built up around him because while everybody else was chasing dragons last year, drafting quarterbacks they shouldn't have, you went out and built up a football team. Okay, but so you are saying then next year they might have to take a quarterback in the first round if they feel like they need to take a quarterback. If they have the offseason, I think they'll have, where they build up the rest of the roster and they bring in, they've brought in Bill O'Brien, right? Mm. And Mac Jones still can't figure it out then he's not the guy. And then, yeah, you need to. But you'll have known you have a full assessment in a real functioning NFL offense with talent around him. And I'll tell you this. I'm, I just pulled up the board right now. Caleb Williams is going to go 1-1. I don't know what they'll ever shot at him, but he's fantastic. Drake May has drawn a lot of comparisons to Trevor Lawrence. He's projected to go in this draft. K.J. Jefferson has that young Cam Newton comparison. There's some Josh oh, I Allen saw, in there. I watched a little K.J. Arkansas, Jefferson, yeah. Arkansas. Shador Sanders, Dion's kid. Looks tremendously talented. I'll take him. Quinn Ewers might come out next year. Was billed mm. as like the number one quarterback prospect. Yeah, like I don't. That's not a good quarterback name. Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers. What if I told yeah. you he's six? That's, a, that's like a lineman name. What if I told you he's six five and has a mullet? Ooh. Okay. Maybe there's a guy I want to party with. And some of these guys are underclassmen and might not come out in the draft. But the point being, like next year's class, we knew going into it that this year's class was going to be kind of weak. We sort of expected that especially after those top two guys. Next year's class looks like it's going to be good. So if break I mean, glass 2018 in case, looked good, though, too. And it's like Josh Allen and a bunch of stiffs. All right, but it's but so that you're proving my point, then those guys were overdrafted because teams needed quarterbacks. And that's right, where the board dictated they went. Point. That's where the board dictated they went. And teams took them there, whether they were good or not. So if the Patriots, if, if it doesn't work with Mac Jones, if they build up the roster around him, they give him all the pieces. They don't waste the top 100 pick on a quarterback. They get guys that can actually help Mac Jones this year, and he still can't figure it out. I'm all for using a first-round pick on a quarterback next year. Not only because you'll need a quarterback, but you filled all these other holes, and now you can actually afford to do it. So I, I don't think this quarterback class hurts them long-term. If anything, it helps them.
Okay. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Take a chance. Uh, you know, if it means you if you want to take till... a chance at Jaron Hall at 182, fine. Yeah, I, I'm not If it has to, to be fifth, sixth, undraft, whatever, like take a chance on but someone. I'll tell you keep this. Keep picking up guys and see what you have, and you know, figure out what you got there for a year. And I just think, I just think they got to keep building up lottery tickets because that's the only way you end up with a, a Patrick Mahomes or whatever. Is so to, is to get as many lottery tickets as you can. They work because they're not going to tank either. You know, they're no, not going. They're, they're never no. going to have the number one pick. So. Right. They're not so they worked with Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback from UCLA at the Shrine Bowl. They seemed very happy with him. They played him that whole game. They gave him like all it's an all-star game. You're supposed to showcase everybody. He got like seven of the ten drives, including oh, wow. both two-minute drills. They clearly wanted to evaluate this kid. Really high football IQ, athletic. He was a great runner, and just his throwing mechanics, even to the Shrine Bowl, like a couple of weeks after his season ended were night and day from the end of the UCLA season. He's getting the ball out with a ton of zip. He's getting it out quick. Now he's a little bit older too. He's a four year starter, five year contributor, but I think they really liked him. And he's a guy you can probably take in the seventh round or sign as UDFA. I don't think the stock around the league is going to be super high just because he is older and he doesn't have the passing production in college teams are going to look for. Okay. Well, wherever it is, the, Get yourself a lottery ticket at, at that position. I would, so go, I, I would look, rather have DTR in the seventh than Jaron Hall in the fourth or fifth. Okay, that makes sense. But yeah, so if they go tackle corner first two yeah. picks, home run as yes. far as I'm concerned. Yes. Especially if these if it's these two guys, like you know, big outside corner and a left tackle like that. That to me might be the ideal plan. So I think you've laid out a pretty good well, plan here for do us. Do you know about Dewan Jones yet? I don't know anything about anything. Okay, because well, you're the size guy. Dewan Jones, that was another one. I got a lot of people asking me why I didn't take Dewan Jones. I'm a huge fan of him. 6'9", 370, a record 90-inch wingspan. And he's a former Division I basketball recruit, so he has the footwork. He can move. The Celtics could he's use agile. Anyway, he's a pure right tackle. I think the Patriots are going to need a left tackle, especially with what we talked about uh, in free agency. Is that but, the other Jones? Because I've seen people say, I got Jones, then Jones. When yeah, Broderick tackles. Jones and Dewan Jones. Yeah. Okay, all right. I, I'm just surprised. You're, you're going to be all over him at some point. Because again, 6'9", 370 <laughs> with ballerina yeah. footwork. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That sounds like Trent Brown then. That's my comp. But he's only right tackle. Like, I don't... No. You could probably play him at left if you really wanted to, but he's never done it, at least not a lot. So... I worry about the learning curve at that yeah. point. Just draft. I'm tackle. not necessarily a sizist when it comes to tackles. I, I am. I am more about the footwork and the, okay. and the arms and whatever. Yeah, like when I was reading about Broderick Jones, he sounded like Matt Light to me. You know, like relatively undersized for a tackle, left tackle. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he's undersized. Well, so he didn't go to any of the showcase games, so we don't have the official measurements on him yet. He's another guy we're going to be looking at the combine. He's listed at six four three fifteen. I don't. I don't. He's not like. His size to me is negligible. What I mean by that is he's not big, but I he's not small enough where it becomes a knock. Right. He just is sort of like his size is a non-factor one way or the other. It's not a plus. It's not a minus. It's, it's just more sort about of athleticism and he's, execution and he's all that. Great stuff. athlete, technically sound, super high motor, and like because people are going to say, "Oh, Isaiah Wynn, Georgia tackle." Isaiah Wynn was six two with like short yeah, arms. He was really he was, small. He was a converted guard. Broderick Jones is and has always been a tackle, and he's not. Dewan Jones, not 6'9", 370, but I don't think anybody's going to look at him and say he's too small. Nobody's going to look at him and say, like, oh, this guy's got great size, but nobody's going to look at him and say he's too small. Okay. No, I like, I I do, I would love it if they got tackled with that first pick, especially yeah. when there's, like, seems like they're all can't-miss prospects, these guys that they're talking about. So I am totally on board with the first-round tackle. Love it. Love it. All right. That's we went about an hour. I think that's about right for this. It had been a bit, so we'll be. I we'll definitely have like a pre-free agency thing leading up sure. to that week. Maybe if they do something major, if there's a trade, if there's like a major thing with, you know, they re-sign Jacoby Myers, they re-sign Jonathan Jones. If something like that happens, we'll be back. But in the meantime, ninety-eight-five-thesportshub.com for all of our off-season coverage. Sports Hub Patriots audio feed wherever you get your podcast. Not only is this podcast in there. I did a bunch of interviews with prospects when I was down at the Shrine Bowl. I have like eight or nine. And they're just like four or five-minute conversations. Except Mo Diabate is an eight-minute conversation. It's awesome. We talked about Jack Lambert. We talked about Willie McGinnis. But you can find all that in there as well. So, till the next one, for Matt Dolph, I'm Alex Barth. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See you.